the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Continue to enjoy your best lawn ever with Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Contact them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025 or online, LawnDoctor.com. A lot more summer ahead plus the fall. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call for a free quote today, 401-392-1025. Find out also about keeping your family safe from ticks and mosquitoes, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Check out their website. It's LawnDoctor.com or call today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. And DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. We have made it to Friday. That is exactly right, folks. And it is, uh, it is a beautiful Friday, as a matter of fact, as all Fridays are. But a couple of things that are in the news. And again, big program coming up. One, uh, let's see, I was out till midnight. Well, let me start off. First, I want to thank everyone. We were nominated in uh, three categories for Rhode Island Monthly Best Of, and uh, we won two of them. We won two out of three. Uh, And thank you to everyone that voted. We were voted. DePetro.com was voted best website in Rhode Island, and I'm very, very happy about that. And something that I enjoy is twitter and we won and we were voted best twitter feed so thank you to everyone who voted for us at that as well last year we won talk show host and this time they kind of changed the category a little bit and they gave it to my friend gene but i'm actually okay with it so it's pretty good folks you get nominated three categories and we were voted best of in two of them so we'll take the two out of three. So thank you to everyone that voted. We'll have more details on that as well. So last night I was out past midnight. There was a gang shooting in Cranston. Uh, f- gang from Providence went to intersection off Cranston Street and opened fire on some people standing on their porch. So that's obviously a big story. Number two, speaking of com, you have to visit uh, the website. And I have footage. So there was arson done on an attorney in north providence and and you got to see the flames the video is um well it, it was arson they said it he is an attorney his job is he has to work on evictions that's what he has to do that's his he works with landlords someone has to represent them he does there's always protesters they don't want any evictions they believe these nuts believe people everyone should live for free everyone can't live for free so what did they do? Some of the activists, they burned and set fire to his law office. Folks, this lawlessness, it needs to be stopped. They want to turn Providence into Portland, Oregon. I mean, that's what they, they want to do. They want to turn Providence into Portland and Seattle. And this attorney, who's a good guy, very thorough, obviously, and he has the, that's his job. And he knows the situation with evictions inside and out. He has to deal with them. And so... Uh, that video is incredible. Now, also, there's a very disturbing story. We're still trying to get to the bottom of it. But apparently, you have the um, Providence police officer that they raised over 20000 for him for a GoFundMe where he got suspended. So somebody set up a GoFundMe account. They wanted $5,000, $20,000. But all the activists, as Justin Katz predicted on uh, uh, politics this week, Justin Katz predicted the activists all contacted GoFundMe and as a result of that, GoFundMe pulled it. Now, I'm getting discrepancy on exactly what happened because the people that set it up said, well, we took it down when it hit 20000 But then a local uh, reporter from the Boston Globe, he contacted GoFundMe. or just, And it's all just like an automatic response you get. And they told him, I believe, that no, that, or just sent a reply saying that it was taken down because it didn't you know fit their requirements so i'm not exactly i mean the whole we're gonna know pretty quickly in a matter of either um you know either i think over the weekend or i think on monday on whether or not they get the money or if everyone's getting refunded it's going to be one of the two so but that is outrageous that that and, and that family 
is having a big press conference because they were upset that they only raised 13000 and they wanted to raise more than the police. And the police raised um, this whole business of the Providence Police raised more than 20000 So we're going to find that. Now, folks, there's another story, and this is so embarrassing, but Senator Sheldon Whitehouse says he's keeping his promise to Christine Blasey Ford. Now, the Boston Globe has a story. So this was during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, which gives us an excuse to play some of the sound of him questioning Judge Kavanaugh, saying that he um, wants a proper investigation. He's still supposedly pursuing the matter. So he claims there was not a thorough investigation. So Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, and now he says new details are FBI. He says confirm his suspicion, tip line set up, but was not for real. June 30th letter, White House, Delaware Democrat Chris Coons, in uh, an FBI assistant director at the agency, received more than 4,500 tips, phone calls, electronic submissions, and remains unclear. It wasn't a tip line. It was a tip dump, White House told the Globe. It was garbage shoot from the tip line to the White House Counsel's Office. No, no interest in investigation. So for those of us in the Senate, raises questions about the trustworthiness, FBI background. So he, so Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, with everything going on, is still going after now Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Whitehouse said the issue is coming up nearly three years after because it took that long for the FBI to respond to his questions. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It should have come out immediately. So in a letter, they're still going after them. And trying to claim the FBI said it, it ended up interviewing 10 people over six days, part of a limited inquiry. They did not interview Ford and Kavanaugh. So, but Senator Whitehouse is still going after this. Folks, it wasn't, wasn't it bad enough that Senator Sheldon Whitehouse decided to embarrass all of Rhode Island and himself with his questioning of Judge Kavanaugh? And for those that wonder, and, and what's, what's ironic, first, you know, this is uh, Bailey's Beach Club. And he is now still going after Judge Kavanaugh. So this was after the whole element that then they even parried on Saturday Night Live. And for those that that aren't, you know, you don't fully remember exactly what happened, I'm going to play you some of the sound of it. But it is just amazing to me that he still wants to go down this road after. But, you know, this is what happens when. He was just reelected in 2018, meaning Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. So here we go. Let things settle a little bit after that. If you want to, we'll take a 60 second break. No, I'm good. Okay, go ahead. I'm good. Um, one of the reasons, Mr. Kavanaugh, that we are looking at the yearbook <coughs> is that it is relatively consistent in time with the events at issue here. And because it appears to be your words, is it, in fact, your words on your yearbook page? We, we submitted things to the editors, and I believe they took them. I don't know if they changed things or not, but... You're not aware of any changes, as far I as you know. I'm not, aware one way or, I'm not aware one way or the other, but I'm not going to sit here and contest that. To have at it if you want to go through my yearbook. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually interested. You know, lawyers um, should be working off of common terms and understand the words that we're using. I think that's a pretty basic principle among lawyers. Wouldn't you agree? It is. If you're worried about my yearbook, have at it, so, Senator. Um, let's look at uh, Beach Week Ralph Club biggest contributor. What does the word Ralph mean in that? Uh, that probably refers in, in, to uh, throwing up. I'm known to have a weak stomach and <laughs> I always have. In fact, the last time I was here, you asked me about having ketchup on spaghetti I always have had a weak stomach. I don't know that I asked about ketchup on spaghetti. You, but You didn't. Someone did. Okay. And, and this, this is well known. Anyone who's known me, like a lot of these people behind me, have uh, known me my whole life, know, you know, I got a weak stomach, whether it's with beer or with spicy food or anything. So the vomiting that you reference in the Ralph Club reference um, related to the consumption of alcohol. Sarah, I was... Uh, the top of my class academically, busted my butt in school, captain of the varsity basketball team, got into Yale College. When I got into Yale College, 
got into Yale Law School, worked my tail off. And did the word Ralph you used in I already, your already yearbook said, I already answered the alcohol. question. If you're, yeah, yeah. Did it relate to alcohol? I like you beer. Have that. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, what do you like to drink? Next one is... Senator, what do you like Judge, to drink? have you... I don't know if it's boofed or boofed. How do you pronounce that? Judge. That refers to flatulence. We were 16. Okay. Just a little laughter. And so when... Uh, your friend Mark Judge said the same, put the same thing in his yearbook page back to you. He had the same meaning. It was flatulence. I don't know what he did, but that's my recollection. We want to talk about flatulence at age 16 on a yearbook page. I'm, I'm game. Um, you <laughs> mentioned, I think, the Renate or Renate, Renata. I don't know how you pronounce that. That's a, that's a proper name of an individual you know? Renata. Renata. It's spelled with an E at the end, R-E-N-A-T-E. Is that correct? Okay. And then after that is the word alumnius. What does the word alumnius mean in that context? I explained that in my opening statement. We, um, she was a great friend of ours. Uh, we, a bunch of us went to dances with her. She hung out with us as a group. The media circus that has been generated by this thought and reported that it referred to sex. It did not. Never had any, as she herself said on the record, any kind of sexual interaction uh, with her. And I'm sorry how that's been misinterpreted and sorry about that, as I explained in my opening statement, because she's a good person. And to have her name dragged through this hearing is a joke and really an embarrassment. Devil's Triangle. Drinking game. How's it played? Three glasses in a triangle. And you ever played quarters? No. Okay, it's a quarters game. Um, Anne Doherty's. As you can tell from my calendar, she had a party on the Fourth of July in uh, the beach in Delaware. And there are like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Fs in front of the Fourth of July. What does that signify, if anything? One of our friends, Squee. Squee. He said the F word, starting at a young age, had kind of a wind-up to the F word. Kind of a f And then the word would come out. And when we were 15, we thought that was funny. And it became an inside joke for the how he would say f And I won't repeat it here for the and F word. Referring to Georgetown versus Louisville and... Do you, want to, do you want any more on the Fs? No, Orioles versus Red Sox. In both, you respond, who won anyway or who won that game anyway? Should we... Folks, again, this is like painful to listen to. And again, good after, uh, Good morning. It's John DePito. The whole reason I'm playing it, it is just mind-blowing to me that Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse is still going after the Christine Blasey for it. All right, we have a lot to get to. Um... Obviously, the latest now with the uh, Providence police and uh, the officers suspended, as I've been telling you, so much is on the website, topetro.com, and the body cam is is not pretty. Um, and then also now new controversy regarding apparently, but it still needs to be confirmed about this whole business of the GoFundMe being taken down, which I, I don't understand in any way why GoFundMe other than I know that many of the activists were going after GoFundMe saying, hey, you can't reward this person. But so I'm trying to um, I'm trying to, to determine it's it's not a, exactly um, um, positive, exactly what happened with that. I know everyone's trying to run it down, but like many of these, like the GoFundMe's, um, it's, it's tough to get the information um from some of these big tech companies because you know when i always complain about this it's not like they have a phone line that you can just uh call but i also again i want to uh thank everyone for voting for uh rhode island monthly magazine and all the people and all the other uh, winners so we win i see that um mario hilario won for morning news anchor uh patrice wood won uh, Gene Valicente, our friend, won. Um, let's see, Mark Searles won. Uh, Brian Crandall won, television news reporter, and Frank Carpano. And then, folks, we did win 
uh, for two out of three categories, taking home best of both website and for Twitter feed. So I want to thank everybody um, who voted for the program, for the John DePietro Show. Uh, it means a lot. And, um, and last year we did win for radio talk show host. And then, you know, that's okay. So Gene Velasenti, who's on Channel 10 and so forth. So he won for radio talk show host. And uh, Gene is a friend of mine, so I'm, I can't quibble with that. Folks, we'll win it again next year. So, again, I like the new categories. I like we were nominated in three. We won two out of three awards. And so uh, very, very significant. You keep hearing everyone talk about it. Go to the website, folks. Support it, petro.com. All right, so we have a lot coming up. You're listening to The John DePetro Show on this Friday on AIM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers who won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508 508- 336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional? has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. J. Perry Paving always provides high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service. Residential, commercial, seal-coating patios, get your driveway paved. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. 20 years experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and general masonry projects. J. Perry Paving, they offer free estimates. Call them today at 401-732-1730. 732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. It's J. Perry Paving. Get your driveway paved. And if you're a veteran, no one has a better package for veterans than J. Perry Paving. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, J. Perry Paving has your back. Check out the benefits of investing in asphalt paving. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving, a licensed insured contracting company. They will meet your needs no matter how big or how small. And no one treats veterans better than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining me right now is our legal analyst. He is Rhode Island attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, I want to start off, and again, it's a, kind of a late developing story. Uh, I broke it on the website, uh, DePietro.com, on Tuesday night. Police have now issued a statement. And this was a high-speed car chase involved at one point it involved Pawtucket police because they were in Pawtucket they went down the there were three teens it turned out three teens uh 15 year old two 15 year old 16 year old 
They had two rifles in the car. They had a ski mask. And they were riding all over the place, going on uh, the highway, on and off the roads, and all over Providence And after six hours. And then police finally caught up to them. And there is an investigation based on how, I believe, at least certainly one of the subjects was treated while he was being apprehended by police. Police approached the vehicle, guns drawn. I think they blew out a tire. Um, There's going to be a lot of talk about when police have the right and are given the right to use force. There was no deadly force. They didn't fire a weapon. Turned out there were two BB guns. They didn't know that. They don't know how old they were, but they were in a uh, BMW convertible. And um, and what's your first take on the fact that the two officers have been suspended with pay, but while the investigation's going on? I, I think with a high-profile situation like this, which is getting publicity in today's environment to leave them on the job on the street getting paid the optics would create more problems from a public perception and media inquiry than it's probably worth Um, did these cops do anything wrong my understanding is reports came in that there were shots fired that there was a car people were in it with rifles and um, the calls were coming into 911 now, now the chase uh, begins, and I think the police will know more, but the fact that they chased him around for hours, they didn't use deadly force, they didn't do anything which would cause the potential for more harm, um, I think shows a fair amount of patience on the part of the police, based on what we know right now. That could change when a further investigation is done. Every police department has what's called a hot pursuit policy. And the hot pursuit policy governs when you can give chase, when you can uh, engage in a high-speed chase, when you can cross jurisdictions from, let's say, Providence into Pawtucket. Uh, you know, once you go over the, the city or the town line where you're an officer... Uh, there's a question whether you have the right to pursue into um, a neighboring town. So let's assume there's a bank robbery and the robbers are on the on the run. And we know that they're in a green Toyota and you're chasing them as a police officer and you leave Providence because you don't want to lose sight of them and you're in Pawtucket. You've got the right to do that under the standard hot pursuit policy. In this case, there's allegations that these people in the car The number is unknown, their age is unknown, their sex is unknown, and there's allegations that they were pointing these weapons to the rear at the cops who were chasing them, which is a very provocative action. Now, they didn't know they're BB guns. They didn't know these guys were juveniles in the car. Right. Um, All they know is there's a car that's not giving up, it's not slowing down, it's not pulling over, despite a police chase... involving officers and vehicles from at least what two or three different communities yeah now they pull them over and now it's only bb guns and now it's only kids but you don't know that in the heat of the moment hindsight's always perfect on these situations um so did any of the cops rough up the kids did they take advantage of the situation and you know give them um uh, inappropriate treatment from you know physical interaction well if they did unnecessarily then there should should be sanctions if they improperly um, utilize more force um, than would have been necessary under the circumstances you know the cops can't give payback because they're ticked off that they've been exposed to potential risk and you know following somebody around for hours now, these kids, ultimately, they crashed their car, I believe, into a fire hydrant. That's what ended the chase. And then they're apprehended. Um, it doesn't appear at this point that they necessarily were resisting arrest or running out of the cars and fleeing. Um, you might have just had a ticked off cop who um, wanted to administer a little bit of punishment on his or her own. And that's never acceptable. John, there's many cases where we have... Um, lawsuits and inquiries with high-speed chases many times what happens is there's a high-speed chase there's the specter of 
probable criminal activity. The suspect takes off at a high rate of speed. The cops give chase at a high rate of speed. The suspect loses control, hits a tree, hits a stone wall, hits something, and um, unfortunately dies as a result of the impact. There's many cases where the estate of the deceased suspect will sue the police department saying that the provocation of this high-speed chase and this high-speed pursuit um, was an unreasonable uh, police tactic which led to the death of the suspect. Uh, most of those cases result in verdicts for the cops that what they did was justified, but there's always the specter of civil litigation for wrongful death claims, and there are occasions where the decedent's estate does get money, either from a jury or through a settlement, you know, and that's where these investigations start and end. Uh, luckily, there were no deaths, no serious injuries here, but um, these hot pursuit cases are always looked at, and in today's environment, it's not surprising that these guys have been put on the sidelines pending the investigation. Now, Tim Dodd, in, in our... Um... In, in the world of police, you're a police officer. There's a car that's being pursued. At one point, they either stop or what have you, and someone in the vehicle points a rifle at you. Now, granted, then you find out later it's a BB gun, but you don't know that. People are calling in saying shots fired and there's a rifle. In that moment, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I think those three youths are actually <laughs> lucky that it certainly seems the police, they could have been justified of, I, I opened fire. He pointed a, a rifle at me. I commanded him for the stop. And so I, I shot him. Now that didn't happen, but I, I wouldn't that, wouldn't that, I grant, I'm not, I realize there's a little bit of a hypothetical, but that, that's how serious this, this is, that they, they could have had justifiable force. Yes. Yes, they could have had justifiable force. And, you know, it's a situation where the cops are chasing people who allegedly have rifles, who have allegedly fired those rifles, who are disobeying all commands to pull over to stop, right. who continue on. Uh, I think, based on what we know today, the police officers used um, demonstrated great patience mm. and used appropriate deliberation in not escalating this thing by, as you say, maybe firing back when they see rifles allegedly pointed at the cruisers. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the response of these cops was measured based on what we know today. And it resulted in apprehending the suspects and arresting them, you know, without anything really serious happening to any of these kids. Now, if any of these cops decided I'm, I'm ticked off, I've wasted hours doing this and you threaten me with a rifle, I'm going to pistol whip you. Well, obviously mm. that wouldn't be appropriate right. or anything close to that wouldn't be appropriate. And if anything like that happened, or even something to a lesser example, but inappropriate use of physical um, retaliation against any of these kids, then the officer who did that allegedly, if that occurred, should be sanctioned. Hmm. Now, Tim, oh, Tim Dodd also, and again, folks, speaking with attorney Tim Dodd, you also have these other officers that were suspended with the Sales Street incident back on June 29th. Is are we in new ground where they one of them was suspended for saying, do you want some more uh, of the pepper spray? And then there was another officer who in the melee, his body cam got knocked off. One of the people there was standing or kicked his body cam. He then pushed shoved someone out of the way, supposedly to get them off it. And 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 from Sales Street, you had you had three people suspended, one for 10 days for saying you want some more of this with the pepper spray. Tim, can we agree that, you know, I, I just think five years ago, 10 years ago, you, you just wouldn't have seen this type of action, right? Well, I think that you would not have seen the response of Mayor Alorza right. and um, Steve Perry and others um, chastising and criticizing these officers. I mean, you got to remember several things. This is a address and a street that the cops had been to for other right. melees, what, 40 sometimes. Yep. So they knew where they were going. They knew what they were walking into. They knew that these were people who um, you know, 
had real acrimony, these two camps of people, and um, they knew where they were going. And the mm. cops are greatly outnumbered by this crowd. Right. And from past experience, they had reason to believe when they gave commands to disperse, they weren't going to be listened to. When they gave commands to step back, they're not going to be listened to. They'd been here before. This was not their first rodeo on this street. They knew what to expect. Yep. So now, Mayor Lorza, I mean, astonishingly, I, I don't, I don't know where he's coming from. He says they used inappropriate language. Mm. Okay. So you go in there as a police officer, and you say, "Pardon me, my good man. <laughs> would you be so kind as to step back?" <laughs> right. I mean, that's preposterous. It is. You've got to go in there, and if you can't use physical restraint and if you have to exercise a measured response one of the only things you can do to intimidate and to try to force compliance and in my view if you have no other option is to speak in a tough assertive manner and to try to gain control of the situation through your words through your tone through what you say through what you might be threatening to do, right. which you don't even intend to do with your language. You know, you, you only have so many um, cards to play if you're a cop walking into that situation. So if you say move back and they don't move back and then you say move the F back or I'm going to spray you with this pepper spray, you know, or you use other um foul language f words you know s words other 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 words that might suggest some intimidation or speaking in more of a street language that people might understand i think that's perfectly reasonable under the circumstances yeah now if if the cops started using racial slurs right um, that wouldn't be appropriate you know, I think at one point, one of the cops says it's the Spanish against the blacks. Yeah. Now, that may be a statement of fact um, that might suggest some um, racial or ethnic um, animus on the part of the officer saying it. Sure. But at the end of the day, I think he was making a statement of facts because I think that's kind of how this whole yep. um, street was shaking out, that it was one specifically identifiable group against the other yeah a 10-day suspension is um i think inappropriate and disproportionate to what the cops were observed to be doing there's a second wave i think these second group got a three-day suspension now they're all going to appeal and grieve this through their union okay they'll ultimately get a bill of rights hearing um these sanctions might be reversed which, you know, will have some effect on, you know, the, the, the uh, personnel record, the jacket for each of these cops. They don't want to have this sort of thing in their personnel file. Um, I am sure that the mayor and the city council and to a lesser degree, Steve Perry, you know, they're, they're playing to the media and they're playing to the disgruntled populations who are looking for any reason to criticize the cops right now. Mm. Um, So politically and from a, you know, talking points for publicity, I guess there's no downside for these. We're going to suspend these guys because we think their language was inappropriate. But I think if you're a cop on the streets, it's got to be very demoralizing. Yeah. You know, (laughs) what's left for you to do? Yeah. Folks, quick break. I got to take a quick break. A lot more attorney. Go ahead, Tim. Finish it's what it's no wonder you hear more and more that people are calling the cops and they either don't show up yeah or they seem disengaged or uninterested in what your complaint is you know what's the point why am i going to go out and do anything here folks quick break a lot more attorney tim dodd right here on the john DePietro show mega truck and trailer appear call them today commercial trailers diesel equipment serving rhode island and massachusetts 508 336 2110 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA 
truck and trailer repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA truck and trailer repair. Listening to the John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, well, he is the senior White House reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Fascinating new book. Frankly, we did win this election. The inside story, how Trump lost. We want to welcome to the program, and it's Michael Bender. Michael, it's John DePietro. Congratulations on the book. Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me. Very um, uh, anxious to hear about, especially, you know, normally I say I read the book, and normally I do read the book, but I, I got it late, so I'll just be completely honest. I didn't finish it. I started to go through it, just so you know. So some of my questions may be like, it sounds like he didn't read the book. But could you, um, I'm really interested about the um, the part of the book you touch on is as far as Brad Parscale's and just everything surrounding him uh, basically leaving the campaign. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 Brad is um, has never been part of any campaign uh, until 2016, when his uh, he, he basically starts up building the website and ends the race as the as the data director, which is uh, a huge role in any campaign um, in the modern uh, in the modern era now, and then is put in charge of everything. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, and and, and probably. You know, doesn't deserve to be in a, in a in a senior role in any presidential campaign, uh, given his experience. But in a weird way, for a, a candidate like Trump, he's he's almost the perfect campaign manager. They're on the he and Trump have a very similar take on 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 media and promotion and PR, uh, and 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 Brad leans into the idea as Trump did in 2016 that that branding is kind of its own. Um, uh, uh, engine for momentum and energy and fundraising. And so he basically builds um, an advertising company, uh, you know, in lieu of a campaign um, and in process becomes very close with, with the Trump family, views himself, uh, which is becomes a fatal error um, as another one of uh, another Trump kid becomes very, very close with, with uh, Eric and Lara uh, and Jared but at the end of the day, um, there's a very clear line um, between family and staff, and none, you know, no more, no more so than in Trump in Trump world and in the in the Trump orbit. And when it, you know, and when the sort of rubber hits the, hits the road here, and they have to make a decision, and things you know, they, they, they kind of face with a choice. The president's faced with a choice. He can he can recalibrate his message. He can start to show more discipline. This is a summer of 2020. Um, when you know COVID's hitting and his and his the economy's tanked and he he needs to uh, readjust, so he can either do that himself and readjust his message or shake up the campaign. And as uh, and as Jared was telling people, this is detailed in the book. Um, around that time, you know, Jared knows what's going to happen. You know, the, and the president's not going to put the blame on himself. He's not going to take that responsibility himself. So it's going to fall to him to shake up the campaign and. And Brad is the one who uh, who gets knifed here, and it was a it was a devastating moment for Brad. He um, he just did not see it coming, and never thought that he would be um, uh, handled really as coldly as as it was. It was uh, Jared showed up in the office and said, "This is it. You're you're not going to be back in your old job uh, as data director, and we're going to put someone else in charge of the campaign." And it was um, it, it it took. It, it, it took Brad a long, long time to recover from that. You know, the last time I saw him was the night before the uh, New Hampshire primary. I covered the rally they had in Nashua, Michael. And and as you know, Brad, he's so tall, he was taking photos. He had gone beyond, you know, just someone. Most of the time, people have no idea who the campaign people are. He was like almost like a celebrity in his outright. He was loving it. I had a chance to talk to him very briefly and... He was like, ah, this is in the bag. We got, This was February right before the pandemic hit. But who is it? Can you touch on it? And you talk about this in the book. And, folks, again, we're speaking with Michael Bender. Uh, Wall Street Journal also has this new book out, and it's fantastic. Frankly, we did win this election. How, um, who his replacement was and how that came about? Uh, you're talking about Bill Stepien. Yes. Yeah, so this is um, 
it's it's another. Uh, it was really fun part to uh, report for me on the book. It, it's something that um, I really didn't realize in in real time was was how much of a New Jersey connection there was for Trump world. Hmm. I'm talking, you know, Chris Christie is a character throughout. Yep. Um, you know, and Kellyanne Conway's from New Jersey. Michael Glasner, a name probably not a lot of people know, but was in charge of the rallies, is a is a is a New Jersey guy. And um, they had put at the end of the race another New Jerseyite in front and in charge of the campaign, Bill Stepien. And um, you know, this I think is a is is a is a fatal error for Trump. Not not Stepien himself, um, but that they, they he changes directions. All right, folks, we're speaking with uh, Michael Bender, and um, and we're fo- folks, we're speaking with Michael Bender. Again, his new book, Frankly, We Did Win the Election. Michael, pick it up right from there about uh, Bill Stepien. Yeah, so the, the, uh, a fatal year here is, is, is really like where they um, changed Brad for Bill. And, and not that Bill is incapable, but that Brad, as I mentioned, uh, Parscale had built an, an advertising firm. Essentially, for the for the camp for the reelection campaign, and and Bill is not is not that type. Bill is more of an accountant um, and, and and a nuts and bolts and numbers guy. So it was um, it took Stepien and his crew uh, weeks, if not months, to really understand what 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 Parscale had was trying to do or uh, and 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 readjust. And you know, Parscale had made decisions that that Stepien would not have, and he tried to unwind that. And what ended up happening is in the final weeks of the campaign, the final couple months of the race, uh, Stepien is rebuilding the entire data operation. Hmm. He restructures the entire polling operation. Uh, and these these things take time and energy. Um, and and it, it was shocking for me reporting this, um, that this was a campaign, it was a $2 billion operation. It had been up and running for three years. And they were doing only getting around to some of the metrics um, in, in the final weeks that they should have been doing uh, in the opening weeks. And and who was the person that he did, in fact, offer the job to before he, he gave it to Bill? Because I thought Bill was a Hannity guy that was brought in from Fox. No, no. Bill's a Chris Christie guy. Bill oh, Chris is, Christie um, guy. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Bill was, um, and not really even a Chris Christie guy. This is another kind of fascinating angle. He was, he ran Chris Christie's campaigns in New Jersey. Uh, the the election and the re-election, which were big wins for Christie and the, and the Republican Party there, hmm. but Bill had a key role in the big Bridgegate saga. Oh wow! And Christie blamed him for not for not telling Christie what was going on in real time, and their relationship breaks. They don't talk to each other for years, <clears throat> and then what ends up happening is that Stephanie finds his way into Trump world. Christie has known Trump for years, decades, right? So there would be moments where there, you know, Bill went to work initially in the White House after the 2016 years. There are moments in the White House here where Christie's coming out of the Oval Office, Stepien's going in, hmm. and the, the two men, you know, won't even look at each other. Wow. Uh, yeah, the, the Trump world in a, in a nutshell there. Um, but no, this is, uh, um, you know, the, the, the summer of 2020 where, where, where Trump wants to replace Brad, he offers the, the job. To Bannon, Steve Bannon, Bannon. Wow, really? Won't, yeah. Well, wow. that, you know, it doesn't get to a formal uh, offer, but, but still. But, but he wants to bring Bannon back in to 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 talk about the job, um, and and sends word. This is this is a as I see in the book. Send, wants to send word to Bannon that he'll 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 take the meeting only after Bannon goes on TV and says uh, how much he would love the job, and if he does that. Then he could come in and, and they can, you know, they can talk about the specifics. And Bannon, having gone through this several times before already, just says, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, also in the book, he offers a job to Ronna McDaniel, who's in charge of the Republican Party, the Republican Party chairwoman. Wow. I don't even know how that would even work. <laughs> but uh, Ronna also turns him down. Folks, again, we're speaking with Michael Bender, who his new book, Frankly, We Did Win This Election, The Inside Story, How... Trump lost. Hey, Michael, just touch on also the uh, the title, because that is the uh, the line that he delivered that just, you know, the place erupted as he was uh, giving the speech. And I think kind of set the tone that they were not going to go quietly into the night. How did you settle on that as the title? Uh, 
you know, it was, for me, it just sort of uh, encapsulated, uh, you know, the the, the the sort of dichotomy of Trump Trump and Trump world here. I mean, he, he, he blurts that unscripted line out um, on election <laughs> night when not only had he not won, but we didn't know who won. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's an example of Trump trying to impose reality, his own reality, uh, on the situation. And, you know, it really does sort of, get to explain and, and how uh, something like January 6th happens. Um, you know, and then the, you know, it's, it's sort of the subtitle, but I kind of think of it all as one title, you know, how he lost because he did lose. And it's important to be very frank and clear about that. You know, what is uh, very interesting. And again, folks, the book is frankly, we did win this election inside story, how Trump lost by Michael Bender, Michael, the, the, the president, president Trump at the time seemed as you write insistent, he, he was positive that the Democrats were going to pull a fast one and somehow Joe Biden was not going to be the nominee. I, that is incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's so much infighting around Trump, uh, over everything, my God. And, and especially over Biden, not whether, uh, whether to attack him, when to attack him, how early to attack him, what to attack him over. Um, and, and some of it's, I think some of it's legitimate, you know, the sort of normal, you know, back and forth between political advisors that, that, that usually happens. Um, and uh, some of it's personal, these personal rivalries that have been um, simmering for years and years and trying to get a one up over Trump. And, and he's and he's not well served by it. Um, and it. And it creates a situation where he Trump convinces himself that, that Biden is going to be somehow replaced on the Democratic ticket, which is, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to even call it a conspiracy theory because I, I, I haven't heard that anywhere else it just sort of you know this theory that kind of creates itself out of nowhere um that uh you know that some people around him were not willing to uh were not willing to say was 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 nuts right and what, what happens like how do i find out about it the, the the head pollster the chief pollster i i someone leaked me a memo in which uh the chief pollster of the campaign has to use a page and a half of a three-page memo in the middle of the race to walk through the math about why Biden is, in fact, the nominee, why, in fact, he's not going to have it stolen, and why that's, uh, you know, the, you know that it's nonsense. And again, folks, the book is what a great summer read. Frankly, we did win this election by Michael Bender. Michael, before I let you go, I've interviewed before Rona McDaniel, but another part of the book you write about this uh, and I remember it being in the news, but you know, then you'd never know the behind the scenes. But sounds like it was a complete blowout between Jared Kushner and Rona McDaniel with the Republican National Committee chairwoman. Yeah, again, this is one of these one of the dynamics that, uh, that is sort of simmering underneath Trump the whole time, uh, and this is over a fight about uh, some some exclusive software to raise money for the, for Republican candidates, basically the Republican version of Act Blue, right? Um, and uh, Jared wants to build the software himself, and and McDaniel, Ron McDaniel, wants it to be a, a, a unit of the Republican Party, a, you know, in, a, an asset of the party that can go on to uh, uh, you know help Republican candidates and, and and party into the future. And and it, it it comes to a boil when 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 Jared tells her, you know. I don't give an F about the Republican Party. And Rana's responsible, well, that, that's, that's good for me to know. And, and decides to run for re-election of the party, you know, in, based in part uh, on her concern about what, what, you know, what Jared is going to do with, a, you know, with these assets that are um, you know, crucial for the, for the party in its future. One final question before I let you go. I know you yeah. get asked this all the time, but do you, do you think he's going to run again in 24? Does he know? Uh, you know, how, how, when do you think you'll know or that the general public yeah. will know if it's real? Yeah, I think yeah, I, what, I, what I do know is that his advisors are telling him um, that he needs to wait until at least after 2022. Yeah. In part because, it, it, you know, it doesn't make really much sense either way to announce a decision now. Right. And um, he does. Um, he's pretty invested in those midterm elections. Right. He's made a, a couple dozen endorsements. That's uh, right. All the way from. U.S. Senate to Staten Island Borough President, and some of them are Republican primaries where he's backing the challenger, which is no easy task even for a popular uh, former president within the party. Um, so he's got to see how that plays out. And that'll be important data points for him, um, you know. And the and what those data points are going to be about how 
Republicans have a, a choice here in 22, and it's whether or not to redefine the party post-Trump. And I got I, I don't know what that choice is going to be, but I do know that this book uh, provides them with the, the information and and the data points where they are going into that into these elections into this uh, choice um, w- with their eyes wide open. One final final question: Last summer and then into the fall, as you were involved with this with the day to day. Did, was it did did it occur to you then that this was just like a once in a lifetime moment that you were covering a campaign that was literally I mean the ups and downs every single day and when you think about it and look back at just how exhausting that was and just the amount of time it was consuming and it's one thing after another did, was it were you aware of that in the moment you mean in 2020 or in 2020 yeah. Oh, I mean, a hundred percent, right? Like it's, I, there's never been, I, I've been, I've been in journalism for, for, for two dozen years. I worked in newspapers in Ohio and Colorado and Florida before I got to Washington. I've never covered anyone like Donald Trump. There will never be, there's never been a political story like Donald Trump period in my lifetime. And then, um, uh, to throw a, uh, you know, a once in a hundred year pandemic, uh, <laughs> a race riots from, you know, and a racial tensions that rivaled the 1960s and 70s, an economic collapse that uh, that rivaled the, the Great Depression, like all these major moments in the U.S. history all <laughs> happening in one year. Um, and uh, and I decided to write a book in the middle of all of it. Um, yeah, it was it was ex- I, I saw a lot of them. Uh, 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 and they helped me quite a bit in, in a time where everybody uh, had their routines upended uh, and their, 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 everyone's stress levels were higher. Um, and uh, I was very, very lucky to, um, you know, have that kind of support and uh, the, the willingness from, from my family to, to, to shoulder even more burden than they were already carrying. Folks, again, the book, Frankly, We Did Win This Election, The Inside Story, How Trump Lost. It's Michael Bender. Michael, again. This summer, let J.K.L. Engineering keep you and your family nice and cool. J.K.L. Engineering, call them today, 401-351-7600. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J.K.L., it's going to be a hot summer ahead. Call J.K.L. Engineering today. Estimates are free. Financing is available. Remember, with J.K.L., 54 years in business, reputation is second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. J.K.L. is an approved National Grid VPI installer. They're also a Navian certified factory dealer. Call J.K.L. for a system replacement, oil to gas for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available this summer. Call J.K.L. Engineering right now. Remember, they do it right. They do it right the first time. They'll keep you and your family or your employees nice and cool. Call J.K.L. 401 351 7600. Remember, J.K.L. Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, a carrier factory authorized dealer. It's J.K.L. Call them 401 351 7600. This summer, stay nice and cool with J.K.L. Engineering 401 351 7600.